you can navigate perfectionism in a very different way. You can see that there are forces there that are pushing on perfection. You can recognize them almost as, you know, as soon as you've, you've made that step, you can see them all around you and you can choose a different path. What stops us is what we think is going to happen afterwards. And what's most important is to get things done. Done is way better than perfect because perfect never gets done. I have been getting so excited to do more interviews over here on my podcast. I don't know about you, but I'm just getting a little tired of hearing myself talk sometimes. And not only that, I do really love conversations with other people. I love picking apart people's brains. I love really getting down to the heart of who a person is, not just the heart of the conversations I like to host over here. So I've been booking in a bunch of really cool interviews. And today I'm so excited to share one of them with you. Today I'm gonna to be interviewing Thomas Kieran. He wrote The Perfection Trap. The book was just released released this year and it is so much wisdom packed into one book. If you struggle at all with perfectionism, with procrastination because of perfectionism, of just in general being really hard on yourself or feeling the societal pressures to be perfect or to constantly strive for more than you need to add this book to your TBR book list because it is everything you need and more. I'm really excited to talk to him today and get to pick apart his brain and the research that he's done and get to know who Thomas really is as a person as well. So without further ado, let's dive into this conversation because I have a lot of questions and I'm just excited. I think this is gonna be a really cool conversation and I will not be a perfectionist about it. Me knowing very well that I'm gonna start this entire interview so anxious because of this exact reason. Hello. Hello. Kaylin, is that how I say it? Yes, Kaylin. Wonderful, lovely to meet you, Kaylin. Lovely to meet you too. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you today about your book and your research and everything in between. Uh, I did do a little introduction before jumping on here with you today. So there is a little bit of a get to know you that already happened in the editing process. But for anybody just tuning in today, I always feel like it's better to hear it from the person themselves. Do you mind introducing yourself and just giving a little bit of background of who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Uh, so my name is Thomas Curran. I'm a professor at the London School of Economics. I'm a social psychologist and I'm particularly interested in the personality characteristic of perfectionism. So I always start my podcast interviews with this question. If you were to walk into a cafe, what is your go-to order? Flat white oat milk um, and a, probably a, a plain croissant. Okay, nice. I'd love to dig in a little bit of your background and just start by asking what led you into being curious about perfectionism? Was it something that happened in your youth or was it an interest that came to you later on in life? Like what led you to this research and writing this book? Yeah, I mean, I reckon it's it's really difficult. I've always been an anxious kid. So I feel like I've always had a little bit of perfectionism from an early age, uh, but it was only in my young adult life where I started to really put a lot of pressure on myself growing up the ranks and the world of work is really tough very competitive um and there's a lot of expectation and pressure to lift yourself above other people and I think I just got wrapped in that a little bit uh started to demand more and more of myself and those pressures were having a massive impact on my mental health until uh, one uh, one day I, I had a panic attack my first panic attack and uh kind of yeah, that was a moment where I was like, yeah, I'm really putting too much pressure on myself here. I've got a lot of anxiety going on and I really need to seek help. So I sought help and, and it was really interesting. We, we talked about a lot of things, but one of the things that yeah, became clear to me is my perfectionism, actually, that was underneath a lot of those, um, a lot of those pressures, strains and mental health difficulties. And so that was really the impetus to get 
a, a little bit of a deeper understanding of this. And so I did a lot, I was an academic at the time. So I did some work in research and perfectionism and, and here I am today. And when you talk about realizing the perfectionism in yourself, I'm jumping a little bit ahead of myself here, but from reading your book, you decipher the different types of perfectionism, one of them being more internalized perfectionism, like your own need to feel a sense of value with yourself versus social perfectionism, like that impossible standard to be perfect for somebody else or for this imaginary judgments of other people. So when you had that realization with yourself, did it feel more internal or did it feel more social or was it a mix of both? Yeah, well, this is the really interesting thing about perfectionism because it doesn't just come from within. If you talk to perfectionist people, I'm sure a lot of you listeners will be able to uh, resonate with, with what I'm about to say, but it isn't just, I need to be perfect. It's also everybody around me expects me to be perfect. Everywhere I go and everywhere I look, there's perfection everywhere and people are waiting, they're judging. And if I slip up or fall short, they're going to let me know. Um, so this is what we call socially prescribed perfectionism, perfection that comes from outside, uh, which is different to self-oriented perfectionism, which is perfection that comes from within us. And actually, there's an interesting third component to this as well, because it's not just perfectionism that comes from outside or that we impose on ourselves, but also the perfect type of perfection we impose on other people, too. So that, you know, I expect you to be perfect. And if you're not perfect, I'm going to let you know. So, yes, you're absolutely right. Perfectionism isn't just a, a, um, a force that comes from inside us it also weighs on us from outside forces too. I'm curious with the third, which was one of my follow-up questions. When you talk about people that project that perfectionism onto other people in your book, you talk about it coming from this like insecurity from within. So can you have both types of perfectionism? Like, can you be curious about or almost obsessed with other people needing to see your perfectionism, but then also at the same time project it onto other people? Absolutely. And that's the most interesting thing I think about perfectionism. There's no one size fits all. And every every perfectionist is different from the next perfectionist. And, and, and that's it's useful to think actually perfectionism is a spectrum. So on those three elements of perfection that I just measured, self, social, and other, each of us will fall somewhere along the spectrum of each. So some will be high on social, some will be maybe low on self, some will be high on other and everywhere in between. And so every perfectionistic person will look slightly different to the next perfectionistic person given where they are in each of those spectrums. So I think it's really important to bear that in mind when we're thinking about our own perfectionism, because um, I think a lot of us consider it to be just a, oh, you know, a self-set high excessive standards of ourselves and the, you know, the quintessential overachiever, but actually it's, um, it's a lot more than that. It's interesting too, because that actually really helped me decipher where my perfectionism comes from in my own mind, like where I stood on that scale and I imagine that this follow-up question then is also probably really hard to answer, but what do you think causes someone to have a perfectionistic mindset? There's a lot going on. We know that about 30 to 40% of perfectionism is inherited. So it's in our genes basically, and, and there's nothing we can do about that. And actually there's something I think quite comforting about that, <laughs> that you know, we're kind of born with perfection in our bones to a certain extent and, and that's okay. But that also leaves a lot for the environment to explain, right? Like 30 to 40% leaves about um, 60% for the environment to explain, which is a lot. And, and when, we, when we think about environment and thinking forces outside in wider culture that are, are you know, pushing us to be perfect, things like you know, social media, for instance, and, and the images of perfection that we see 
um, beamed back at us um, 24-7 may, uh, is one certainly one area where we might f- see perfectionism being uh, amplifi- uh, amplified. But, you know, schools, colleges, these these are places that ex- expect excessive standards for the kids of young people. Um, the workplace, there's, you know, the imperative to hustle and grind, that's also really tough. Um, and changing parenting practices too, you know, the way we're raised and can can also impact on our perfectionism. So, you know, there's all sorts of forces um, that we could point to, but but I would say it's part genes, but it's also part social environment too. And with calling your book The Perfection Trap, I found this super interesting. I, I would love to know your thought process behind one, why you named it that, and two, why do you think perfectionism is a trap? That really comes from my own uh, experience with perfectionism. Look, perfectionism is a really difficult personality characteristic to carry around because it's relentless amounts of striving, relentless amounts of worry and insecurity in pursuit of no particular endpoint. And the most pervasive thing about perfectionism, I think, is is that it really exposes our dreams as nothing more than dead ends. Whenever we reach a target or or a high goal, there's always something more. We always expect ourselves to do more And I suppose the better we do, the better we're expected to do, not just in our own lives and how we expect ourselves to to perform or appear or whatever, but also the outside world. I've set a new bar for myself now. So now I'm going to have to go even further and then I'm going to have to go even further. So it's this relentless treadmill. It's it's like trying to chase the horizon. The closer you get, the further it moves from our reach. And this is perfectionism. This is the trap. This is the trap we get ourselves into when we shoot for perfection and trying to be perfect all the time is that we never, ever give ourselves permission to just savor, enjoy where we are in life, what we have and our existing life circumstances, because we always have to be kept moving in the direction of perfection. And so that's why I've called it the perfection trap. Do you think that part of that chasing the horizon is almost like chasing safety? Like if we feel that we always expect more or we always strive for more, like I wonder where that drive comes from to always need more or expect more of ourselves or from others. And is it, could it be coming from this perpetual, like you, you stated earlier, anxiety or this inability to feel safe and to feel okay with what we have or what we've already done. Yeah. And that's a very live concern. You, you, there's a curious symmetry actually between this idea that we must always chase more and the way that our whole society operates. We have to be kept in a perpetual state of needing something more because that's what keeps us consuming. It keeps us working. That's what um, grows the economy essentially at a very basic level. And so not only do we have these kind of inbuilt tendencies to to push ourselves, but also the world around us is telling us all the time that you would just be satisfied. You'd just be content if you buy this one product or you work this extra hour or you become this much more productive. You'll you'll get there. You will get there. But unfortunately, you never do because if we were to get there, we'd stop working, stop consuming and the economy would fall over. So this this is very systemic. I suppose what I'm saying is these are these are genetically inherited tendencies yes but there's also a systemic uh, sense that in order to do more to be more to have more uh, is such an important um, way of thinking in the modern world uh, not just for ourselves but obviously also for our economy and i think that's if you can get around ahead around that then it helps us to understand where those pressures are coming from and i think that i think that's really important because that takes a lot of pressure off ourselves like, you know, it's not, these, these feelings have a broader context, right? And it, this isn't something that's my fault. Uh, and I think there's a lot of power in that. 
I was going to say one of the refreshing parts from listening to your book, I was listening to the audiobook and but one of the things that I found so refreshing, so intriguing was that you did highlight a lot of the external factors that lead into struggling with perfectionism, that it isn't just all within ourselves and how just the modern day, the hustle culture, how much we expect of ourselves, like it's not it's not an individual problem and a lot of people are facing it. So the way that you even just highlighted that now, again, it does take that like that sigh of relief that, oh, this is pretty much like a sign of the times in a lot of way and that 35% genetic being born into it. I'm curious because you've done so much research into it at this point. Was there anything in your research that really surprised you or took you back or has stuck with you to this day? That's a really good question. There's many things in this, in this area that surprise me and I'm surprised every day, but there's a really interesting finding in perfectionism, which I think is really important for listeners to get their head around. So we often think perfectionism is associated performance. We kind of know at some level that it has this emotional baggage, right? And, you know, it's not good for us, but at the same time, we've got to put ourselves through the grind, put ourselves through the discomfort to get to the, you know, to get the success, right? So this idea that perfectionism has some kind of relationship with success, but that's just not the case in the day. It doesn't show that at all. And that's really interesting. And we were perplexed by that. But there, but when you actually think about it, when you look closer, this does make sense. Because perfectionists, people work hard, yes, but they work unsustainably hard. So that they burn out. And we see a lot of correlation between perfectionism and burnout, which is one reason why they find it hard to succeed in the long term. But secondly, and this is really intriguing, um, perfectionists are world-class self-sabotagers. So, and, and they will self-sabotage the chances of success if it means they avoid failure. Because failure is so exposing as a perfectionist revealing of their inner frailties and flaws that they will avoid it at all costs and we show this in various experiments one really interesting experiment is on um, failure to meet goals and we get uh, uh, people into the lab to do an athletic task a cycling task we say you got to cover a certain amount of distance certain amount of time based on your fitness this should be comfortable for you go ahead do it they try really hard to meet this goal. And at the end, we tell them, you didn't make it. Sorry, you failed. But then we say, but don't worry, you got another chance. Now, the non-perfectionist people don't really change their effort. In fact, they put a little bit more in on the second attempt. But the perfectionist people, and this is what's so intriguing about perfectionism, is they withhold their effort on the second attempt. Because the guilt, the shame, the embarrassment was so fierce on that first failure. They don't want to feel those things again. So they, they withdraw, they avoid now, we don't just see this in avoidant behaviors. We also see this in procrastination too. So perfectionist people will avoid those discomforting emotions, self-conscious emotions of feeling that something's so difficult and they're going to struggle and perhaps end, this is going to end in failure that they just won't put themselves in those situations. They don't want to sit with those anxieties so they remove themselves, so they procrastinate, they avoid. And of course, these things aren't at all conducive to performance. So I think that's the most intriguing thing it isn't just the mental distress that perfectionistic people um, experience, but they don't seem to get the performance benefits either. Do you think at one point or another, everybody will struggle with a sense of perfectionism or is it really just a, a specific personality trait that some have, some don't? Yeah, I think it's really healthy to think about perfectionism as a spectrum. So there's no like, you're a perfectionist and you're not a perfectionist. Um, I, I often use these phrases as shorthand descriptors but I think for listeners, it's really useful to think that if this is a sliding scale 
And that some people will be more perfectionistic. Some people will be less. Some people will be in the middle. And that, and that all of us everywhere have a slight amount of perfection, even if it's a very, very little amount, right? And most of us are somewhere in the middle. And that's important to, to recognize um, because it helps us also um, change and swap from that very black and white thinking, well, I'm a perfectionist, so that's a very fixed thing, into, well, if it's a sliding scale, then we can figure out a way through various different um practices to try to move ourselves backwards a little bit on that scale to turn just recalibrate our goals a little and, and slide back on that scale if we you know if we apply the right um uh interventions and and uh and um and ways of thinking or, or more healthier ways of thinking so so that's really i think an important way to think about perfection as a spectrum as a sliding scale and some of us will be have some even if it's a little bit do you have any tips for anyone listening today on how to slide themselves back on that scale? I know in your book, you talk about the mindset of being okay with good enough. Uh, do you want to unpack that and any other tips that you have? The good enough piece is really important. So in, in the world today, we celebrate the unicorn achiever, the 0.01%, um, the outlier. And we're really interested in the tails of the distribution, right? Like the people that are kind of, you know, right at the very top which is, you know, this is part of the culture of perfection that we live in. But actually, when you do the math, and Nassim Taleb did a recent experiment um, where he showed that basically to get to the top, to get to this kind of gilded position in any profession, you need to be a six sigma individual, which means six standard deviation away from the mean, which means one in 1.4 million. Now, you know, that is clearly an improbable expectation, but because we see it everywhere and all around us, we not only think that's desirable, we also think it's obtainable. And I'm not saying here, recalibrate your expectations and, and shoot for lower standards. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is we need to recognize that 70% of us are going to be somewhere around the average. And there shouldn't be anything shameful about being average. This is very normal. It's natural. And you know what? Like if our talents and abilities and our hard work take us to the very top and we get ourselves on the podcast and the TV shows and all the rest of it, that is amazing savor that really honestly drink it in but if we don't quite make it accepting that we're just human and we're very probably average helps us to um not worry so much about what the outcome is or how we compare to other people but but more about you know do, do, what's the purpose and how we found meaning have we done something that gives us uh, a sense of joy and satisfaction and you know even if we want standard deviation away we put a bit of work in one standard deviation away from the mean that's great too fantastic but we shouldn't be putting these excessive expectations on ourselves and what we should be defining success within a context of what's attainable and i think that's so so important and if that means that, that we're happy to, and set off good enough then that's that's what the, that's what i'm talking about when i'm saying that you know accepting is good enough is really about uh, recalibrating our expectations so that's the first thing i'd say but it's, the second thing i say is that self-acceptance is so so important when we're combating perfectionism um acknowledging that we are an imperfect human being that nobody's perfect nobody could ever be made perfect and that gives us a real sense of self-clarity uh, it helps us be more compassionate when we haven't met a standard if we've made a mistake or slipped up that self-compassion by the way is, is super super important and it gives us courage it gives us courage to push ourselves out there 
to say, you know what, I'm going to feel the fear and I'm going to do this anyway, to know that we don't have to be perfect. We don't even have to be exceptional just to do something. If it gives us joy, if it gives us purpose, if it gives us meaning, go out there and do it. That's permission right there. If you don't feel you're a very good singer, go out there and just sing for your heart's content. If it gives you purpose and joy, if you don't think you're a good presenter, go get up in work, put your hand up and go and do it. Just sit with the discomfort and ask yourself, you know, was the outcome of this as catastrophic as I thought it might be? Because actually that teaches you something about your previous self as well. You know, this I was living in fear of this person, which was stopping me doing these things that are really important, not just for my professional growth, personal growth, but also my happiness. So um, self-acceptance is about self-compassion, but it's also about courage to, to um, put yourself out there. And that's like taking a sledgehammer to perfectionism. So those are the things that I'd recommend um, and encourage your listeners to do. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Did you struggle with any kind of perfectionism while writing the book? I'm curious if if there was ever a point where you were trying to perfect the book itself on perfectionism. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was three years over date, uh, overdue date, if that, uh, that gives you any insight. Um, you know, I'm a perfectionist. I still am a perfectionistic person. Um, I, you know, it, it may be that I never hundred percent break through these tendencies, but I have been able to accept that when good enough is good enough and let things go. And that was the same with the book. I could have edited it. I could have tinkered and iterated it. I could have still been doing it today, but I was happy with what it was in that moment. And I put it out into the world and yes, it's scary, whenever you put anything out into the world it's really scary because you can this, this is an information age you're going to get feedback all the time you're going to get comments you're going to get likes you're going to get shares you're going to get mentions you're going to get all sorts of feedback on how your content has performed and you have to you have to really that's this is the brave part of it um and you have to really take um the feedback listen but don't let it impact on the way you feel um, and that's also very, very important. That that helps you break through the fear. If you can know that you're going to put something out there, it's going to get reviewed and rated, but that you're not going to let those things impact on how it, your um, well-being. Um, that's so, so important. Um, so yeah, it was a very difficult uh, 
thing to do but i'm sure i'm sure many of your listeners can relate to that process and what's my the lesson for, i guess from for me was that when it's good enough it's good enough get it out there and get discussing with people all about perfectionism because that's the most important thing and i was going to follow that up with just letting you know how much i enjoyed the book but i'm almost curious with what you said there to not let the feedback pierce almost the veil of meaning that you create out of the things that you do and put out in the world. So do you hold that same mentality towards even good praise about the things that you do? One of the things I do in the book is I reflect on my grandfather because I think my grandfather's experiences as a master craftsman are so intriguing about the differences, generational differences actually, but also differences in the, in the way that we, um, we work, you know, I, I have so much trepidation about feedback and what, how people are going to appraise the book because I feel like it's part of me, but my grandfather never had such hangups because he just made things to leave in the world. Like everyday things like banisters, window frames, uh, staircases. You know, the, and by the way, these things, he, he's he have sadly passed away now, but these things are still in some of the, in uh, some buildings around where I live today, uh, still standing people using them without even knowing that they're they're made by by him but what he did was something really important and his work was his vocation and all he wanted to do was leave something in the world for other people to use and i try so hard to try to take that that kind of thinking into my own work and this is why it's so so helpful with the book that what i'm doing here is i'm leaving something in the world for other people to use hopefully enjoy hopefully get some insight and learning from and that's the most important thing. It's not about the fire emoji. It's not about the five-star review. Other people's fickle opinion is just their opinion, you know. And he, I'm sure, would have got bad feedback in his day, but he never, ever let that get to him. You know, that was just sure a sign of his fallibility, his wrinkles, or his sciatica. And I think there's something really important uh, about understanding that if we can if we can do find meaning and purpose and leave something in the world, that's that's, you know, that's what it's all about. And to try to separate that from the um uh, the feedback and the reviews and all the rest of it and um and that's what i'm trying to do and i think that's a really healthy way to approach anything that we do it doesn't have to be a book could be a presentation could be a project could be anything that's that's the most important thing it almost sounds like your grandfather was really good at not making it personal like he created what he created and left it out to the world and and he was like that's just that like it's not about me it's it's about like you said, leaving something behind for the world. And I almost wonder, you did mention that it's obviously a different generation, but with now there being social media and we're almost so hyper aware of ourselves and whether or not, like you said, you get the fire emoji or the five-star review, or, you know, you've got all of this feet, this feedback loop coming at you all of the time. And I'm curious within your research, but also within your opinion, how does social media play a role in the levels of perfectionism that we we're seeing in the day-to-day average person right now? Massive. I think if my grandfather's around today, he would have would have been a more of a perfectionist. Because it, you know, it isn't just authors or content creators who are bombarded with feedback. It's also builders tradesmen plumbers you know there are websites where as soon as you've done a job someone's going to leave you a review (laughs) and it's just instant you can't escape it right now it doesn't matter what you do you're going to be told how well you're doing and um and so that you know again this goes back to my point about how we just live in a, a world really where everything pushes on on that kind of need to be validated need to be approved because there's feedback coming from every angle 
Um, and so I think it's really important we recognize that. We recognize we live in really unique times where we're just bombarded with information and, and, and feedback. And it's it's really, I think just that awareness is so important. Just just knowing that that's kind of how it works and you're going to get this fever. You're gonna, you're gonna, and sometimes it's not gonna be good. Uh, I can tell you that from personal experience. Um, but you have to find, uh, you have to recognize that that's not what we're doing it for. If you're creating something, you're building something, you clearly want it to improve or help people in some way, shape or form. And that's the biggest, that that should be the only thing that matters when you put it out into the world. And if someone doesn't like it, you know, that's just life. Sometimes that's just the way it is. Um, but what's more important is you, you did it. You built it, you developed it. You created it and it's there for other people to use and appreciate. That's the most important thing. Right. Like you just, you can't be everybody's cup of tea kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. One of the quotes that I, that stuck out to me from the beginning of the book was you said, we're living in a, inside a hologram of unattainable perfection with the imperative to constantly update our lives and lifestyles in search of a flawless nirvana that simply doesn't exist. And I'm curious do you believe that there is a path forward on a collective scale where we all do shift to a healthier mindset around what we expect out of ourselves and with other people? Yeah, I've got a lot of optimism that young people today are recognizing that they live in a society that doesn't work in the same way that it used to work and is creating all sorts of pressures and um, stresses, strains, difficulties that um are, cre are creating a lot of difficult a lot of problems and that that isn't by the way just in a, in a personal sense but also in an environmental sense as well as a lot of young people for instance understand that uh right now we're shooting way past planetary thresholds and there's a lot of and there's a lot of uh consequences and implications of that so i'm very optimistic and i think i paint in the in the in the book hopefully a not a manifesto not a way that i think the world should work but just a thought experiment of you know, what would life be like if we lived in a slightly different world, lived in a slightly different society, one that didn't just have GDP or goods and services as, a, as an imperative, but had human needs too. You know, things like happiness, well-being, life expectancy, these things were just as important measures of prosperity as, as goods and services. If we lived in a world where they accepted planetary and human limits, that we can't continually overshoot those things without consequences. Uh, and and um, uh, that has a floor under uh, deprivation um, that where, you know, we, we are able to work less maybe through, you know, four day work week, it seems to have some really positive effects or even just using AI and technologies to take away the drudgery of work and giving us back time in our communities and uh, families and communities. I think these things like are really important parts of a discussion. I'm not saying that they're going to happen tomorrow, but what I wanted to do is to get readers to think, what would, life, what would life be like in that world? And would we need as much perfectionism just to get by? And I hope it, by answering that question, well, actually, no, we wouldn't. It, it teaches us something interesting about what it what perfectionism is and where it actually comes from. And that, you know, it's coming from outside us in a society that demands it. Um, so I think there's really, there's, I'm really optimistic. I, I think young people are grasping the, these issues and they're starting to ask um, people in charge for um better and i think that's really important and hopefully your readers or anyone who reads my book um can find in that last chapter um some uh some good ideas that that might that, that you know might we might be able to take forward so that's that's my hope
And until we can get to this better place collectively, do you have any tips on what the individual can do to better protect themselves from perfectionism in the day-to-day? Yeah, and, and the biggest one is, is really to know that this isn't your fault. And this was something that really crushed me was this self-imposed pressure that I felt, well, I just couldn't snap out of this way of thinking that there must be something wrong with me that I'd never feel like I'm good enough and therefore I must not be good enough. And for the, the biggest, the biggest takeaway is actually as a broader context, of these feelings, that feeling of not being good enough, well, that is a very normal, natural response to a relentless cultural recognition. And it's telling us those things all the time. And so take that personal power of responsibility and accountability of yourself and recognize that there, there's a bigger context to this. And once you, once you're able to do that, I think it's really, you can navigate perfectionism in a very different way. You can see that there are forces there that are pushing on perfection. You can recognize them almost as, you know, as soon as you've, you've made that step, you can see them all around you and you can choose a different path and that's not going to be easy. But nevertheless, I think it's necessary. And 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 the, and the first thing to do is try not to all, all times manage impressions. Um, everybody will have a perfect, an idealized way of life. I think the person they want to be, that perfect person they see in their mind's eye, uh, they should be productive, should be attractive, should be healthy, and all the rest of it. All these shoulds that we hold for ourselves, just just release them one by one and and challenge them and ask, do we really need to be that person? And can we put ourselves out into the world as someone who? Um, is flawed is imperfect and can we be content and happy uh, with that imperfect uh, existence and that and that means going back to what i said earlier pushing yourself into situations where you might not be exceptional but nevertheless doing them anyway and, and that's like taking a, a, a sledgehammer and um, to your perfectionism so um i, I think as, as i said we've mentioned self-acceptance we've talked about how it's really important to recognize that this isn't your fault those are really really um, crucial uh, steps and I'd, I'd, I'd encourage uh, your listeners to to uh, if if they are able to read the book then um, those are the two kind of main, main take-home messages for yourself when you navigate the modern age when it comes to things like social media you also talk a lot about advertising and you just highlighted how there is this subliminal messaging all of the time that you're not enough so you know buy this thing or do this course or or whatever it is how do you personally navigate that world? Do you put limitations on anything? Is it more of a mindset for you? Like, what does that look like for you? I think it's it's a it's a, it's a philosophical shift in my mind about how how I live, and I think one of the things that was interesting once I just let life happen to me rather than trying to happen in life all the time, trying to perfect things and control things all around me, um, things that started to slot into place. Um, a lot uh, smooth, more smoother and with less stress than they did before. The, the thing is, you we can have an idea of where we want to go. We can have goals, aspirations. Those things are great. And I'd encourage every single listener to um, have, have in your minds somewhere where you want to go. But you have to also recognize that the journey there is going to be really jagged. It's, it's not going to be linear. And there's going to be times when you're standing still. There's going to be times when you realize you didn't know as much as you thought you knew. And there's going to be times, yes, when you're like, you know you you're crushing it um that's so so important because it means that we can meet life where it is and we can know that there's going to be heartbreak there's going to be grief there's going to be loss there's going to be perhaps a global pandemic that comes along and screws everything up these are things we cannot we just cannot control we can't do anything about uh and and knowing that 
understand that recognizing that accepting that is so is so so important because we can we can wrap ourselves up in so much stress by trying to overcome these intractable forces but when we just let them in and wash over it's we find my me personally i've found it much easier to um cope with stresses setbacks i've i've found that i've come out the other side of them um a lot quicker and and i've also been more successful uh because i've been able to let things go and get things out there and so you know that's for me is like is really really important uh recognizing that not everything in, in life we can control and that's okay in your research for the book did you stumble across any kind of lifestyles any cultures any mindsets or even specific people or personalities that really seem to have mastered this balance of yes growth and striving but without the need of perfectionism not specific examples but certainly the most influential people who have worked in the area of perfectionism have at some level always come down to zen buddhism as a um a, a if not solution but certainly a way to um ground ourselves and live more contentedly inside our own reality and you know all paths lead to Buddhism. <laughs> i think <laughs> so often it's okay but certainly like you know when it comes to perfection specifically um person called karen karen horny master clinician doesn't get anywhere near as much credit as she should in in um wider culture uh i was so influential on this and i've written four or five wrote four or five books talking about tyrannies or should and how um culture separates us from the imperfect person we are and the perfect person we feel like we should be and creates this internal divide and talked about how you reconcile that divide and over over years her thinking matured and she started to travel to different places and realized that this more meditative way of thinking um of acceptance and living inside ourselves this whole heart she called it a wholehearted uh commitment to living inside ourselves with all of ourselves um, and all of our feelings uh, was uh was the the way that she found in her own life and in her patient's life is the most um fail-safe way to overcome some of those perfectionistic tendencies so i would say i would say that's probably that's probably the the um not if not the answer certainly something that most people would recommend when it comes to perfection i love the term wholeheartedly it immediately what popped into my head is it almost seems like the imbalance of being so in the mind coming back into the heart is and it's very much what you've been explaining and unpacking here like finding that meaning self-acceptance that softness with ourselves it's like that's what's going to balance that out and find that bliss point for each person depending on where they are on that scale uh, I know you did unpack this already about where you see or how you would love to see perfectionism in the next decade but what about for yourself then, if I can turn that question around a little bit with everything you've discovered and shared, like how do you see yourself moving forward with everything you've learned so far when you deal with your own perfectionism? What a question. I, I can just, I just hope I can continue to point myself in the right direction. Uh, it's a journey. Like I don't think perfection, you can ever like fully eradicate perfectionism. I don't think that should be a goal, but the journey is the point. Um, the, the working to find that inner contentment 
and experiencing more and more of that that sort of joy i suppose that comes from being with all of yourself and all of your feelings like we we've all been there like we can all recognize moments in our lives where we felt that unparalleled joy you know when you feel the love for somebody new the, for the first time and everything and all around you just just disappears and nothing else matters but that one moment you see it in children all the time you know, there's kind of unparalleled joy just existing <laughs> just being in the world we have access to that 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 full inner unqualified um contentment uh but we just live in a world that robs us of that joy um and it doesn't it just doesn't just allow us to exist to just live and and i think the the biggest thing for me is to try to point myself in the journey of um self-acceptance of finding those moments in more and more regularity whether that be through living in, uh, in, in uh, with more of a community spend time with friends and family being in nature and the um, animating forces of nature more and more often doing meditative things that i really enjoy like playing music singing uh riding a bicycle all these things by the way are free <laughs> um, you know these are that's for me that's the that's the biggest challenge for me to to make sure that i put myself on that journey knowing that i might never quite fully get over all of the perfectionist tendencies but that i can peak in ever more regularity at myself uh, and i think that's the challenge again it's something that just popped into my head as you were speaking there is even in my own experience leaning into things like more meditative practices, yoga and such, it's interesting how even perfectionism can sometimes start to trickle its way into what you go into with the best of intentions. You're like, oh, I'm going to do this practice to try and ground myself, be it meditation as an example. And then all of a sudden that perfectionism starts to linger in. It's like, oh, I don't feel like I'm levitating above my body. So I'm not meditating perfectly. Uh, do you ever experience that with, with trying to create that regularity of regrounding yourself are you do you ever catch yourself being like oh i'm trying to perfect being in the moment even yes yeah, so true it's so true and and that's and that's also something you you have to really work hard against i mean the common perfectionistic answer to that question about well maybe you should try buying for this well i don't have time for that and this is this is kind of again we live such busy lives we tr you know we're trying to fit things in around schedules that are very very hectic and they think well we're going to do okay i'm going to find time for yoga or whatever but it's got to be this amount of time and in that time i'm going to maximize it right i'm going to get a maximum effect because i need to move on to the next thing and of course you know that's those feelings that you just described are going to creep in when we think like that because we're using it more as a sort of transactional relationship rather than what it should be is something that is is there to enhance and enliven and vitalize us and and that's the priority like that it shouldn't be as an add-on to you know another another part of a life that we feel like we should be living it goes back to what karen horney said about those tyrannies of should well i should be doing yoga and i should be doing this and i should be doing that you know it should never be a should like it it, it should be part and parcel of of your life and your lifestyle um and something that you embrace wholeheartedly uh as as a as a vital component of a life well lived um so that's, you know, there is absolutely a danger of that. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners will, will that will resonate. Certainly what you just said there resonated with me. Um, but it's really about trying to flick the switch and 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 see these things as part and parcel of, of what it means to, um, as, as I mentioned, uh, what it means to be part of your life and your lifestyle is like a fully embedded wholehearted activity uh, rather than something you feel you should do. 
It's so true. The word transactional, I feel like that was the perfect way to describe it is like we put these things into our day to day expecting something out of it. And again, brings me right back to what you were saying. What meaning like is there meaning in what you're doing or are you just trying to harvest something from it? And I'm curious. So for anybody that's listening right now, maybe they're in school or maybe they're working on their own books or someone that related to that meditative practice. Do you have a go to to get yourself out of that perfectionistic mindset that you could share that might help people listening today? Yeah, I think um, the biggest one is to try to as, as far as you can not worry about the consequences. What stops us is what we think is going to happen afterwards. And what's most important is to get things done my biggest thing in the moment if you're asking for something in the moment is really about fighting that procrastination because that's what perfectionism looks like on a moment-to-moment basis most i guess vividly and what most people can relate to um so for me it's about the reason why we do that by the way is because we're thinking about what the consequences are you know i can't open this text i can't reply to this email because i'm so scared of what's inside or whether it's going to be something that says something about me um in a negative way and uh for me it's trying to remove move okay don't worry about the consequence we've got to do this. we've got to do this but you know this has to be done <laughs> so let's 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 get started and give you uh, i say to my students all the time give yourself like five ten minute blocks start now and uh and give yourself a target and 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 don't go over but don't go under hit that time frame and get what needs to get done right that and that's and that's really important because that provides a moment of space where you're like, okay, well, I've only got five minutes right now, so I have to reply to this email, I have to send this message, or I have to start this slide deck because that's you know that's that's what's important in this moment in time. And then when you've done that, always I think it's never good practice to reward yourself. So if, you know it's it's no problem to procrastinate after you've done it. <laughs> like if you want to give yourself a reward, go on social media or watch something on Netflix, that's fine. But only once you've got the activity done and once you've got started. By the way, research says uh, if you get started, you're more likely to finish. Um, so it's just that starting point, that really short, sharp shock of just going, feel it, but do it anyway. Done is way better than perfect because perfect never gets done. Oh, that's a good one. And again, too, it's almost like, again, it's coming back to that message of don't make it personal. Like if you're afraid of what the message is going to say or what it's going to implicate about yourself, like it's not personal. Just start doing it, even if it feels terrifying. So if you were to have one message that you would like listeners to take away today, let's start with from the perfection trap. Like let's say what you want readers to take away from your book and then listeners to take away from today's discussion. What would they be? Oh, good, good question. So, the readers' takeaway from the book is that this is a um, couple, couple of things. Like the the main one is that perfectionism is not holding you up in the world. It's not uh, making you more successful. Uh, a lot of people think perfectionism is the one thing when everything all around them is collapsing. Like this is the one thing I need to hold on to because this is what's keeping me going. It's not the case. It's the thing that's creating the problems in, in the first place more often than not. So that that for me is like the one of the biggest messages of the book and the second one this is this is not your fault so you know these feelings have a broader context and it's really important to be aware of them because that helps you that kind of crystallizes in your mind like what what these feelings mean where they're coming from and how we might um uh, look upon them differently uh, and from this conversation well i would say 
the most important thing for people to recognize right now is that you are you are enough just just as you are the fact that you're living breathing existing listening to this podcast means that you are you, you are enough and and i know that there's a lot of messaging in the society in society you're often made to feel like you know you don't matter or that um there's something about you that's inferior in uh, flawed or deficient or whatever like these are messages that we'll, we'll see all around us but it's not true you do matter you matter so much and um you are enough and i think that's so so important for uh for people to recognize and really feel because it's so true that's an amazing message one last little thing that i have to touch on just before i close down our conversation in the book you talk about being in toronto i'm a canadian and so i'm curious what what are your thoughts on canada did you enjoy your time here <laughs> i love canada it's a wonderful country i've always felt very welcome here i have family here um who are from the uk but emigrated and they've canada's been very good to them so uh, it's a beautiful country, beautiful people, and I'd heartily recommend anybody listening, if they're thinking about traveling to Canada, go and do it because you'll have a great time. Did you ever try Timmy's? If so, what was your Timmy's order to Morton's? I was told to get these, these uh, the donuts, like balls. Timbits. Timbits, Timbits. yeah. They're great. Uh, the coffee, <laughs> uh, uh, but, you know. It's Timbits. okay. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the coffee either, so I will not take it personally. That was very honest, so thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on to my podcast. It was such an honor to get a chance to chat with you, to unpack your brain and all of the research you've done on The Perfection Trap. And then to anybody listening, I'll be sure to link your book in the description of today's episode so they can get their hands on it. But also too, the Audible version was amazing. That was the version I read through or listened to, and I loved it as well. Great. Well, thank you, Kelly. I really appreciate that. And it was lovely to, it's lovely to chat. Gosh, another cool conversation with another really cool person. I definitely cannot recommend enough picking up the perfection trap, especially if you related to anything in today's conversation. There is so much wisdom in that book and then obviously so much wisdom from Thomas himself. And the thing I really enjoyed about the book is that there are so many great stories woven through along with the research in the book itself that makes it super intriguing and more personal. You know, you're not just sitting there downloading a bunch of facts. You're also hearing stories and examples that are very relatable. So as I mentioned, I'm going to leave the perfection trap in the description of today's podcast. So be sure to check it out with that. Thank you for joining for today's coffee talk conversation. If you got anything out of today's conversation, if it sparked any thoughts or any stories in yourself, I would love to hear them. Feel free to leave them in the comment section over here on YouTube, or if you're listening to today's podcast, then you can rate the podcast because that always really helps as well. And I will chat with all of you guys next week over another cup of coffee. Bye guys. Thank you.